Sunday we talk about uh, how to heal the sick. How many went out and practiced? Oh, wonderful. How was the result? It was good. <laughs> Amen. It's always good to practice uh, what we hear from the Word of God. You will not enter in until you put into practice what you've heard. And uh, I think there is a scripture in um, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient, not just willing, but willing and obedient, then you eat of the good of the land. When you hear his word and you immediately act on it, you get the result. It's like Jesus telling the man with the withered hand. Remember what is the man with the withered hand? He said, stretch out your hand. The man could have argued and said, well, I can't do that. Everybody here knows my hand is withered. How come you're telling me to stretch out my hand? Why don't you heal me and then I'll stretch out my hand? It doesn't work that way. You hear the word, you act on it, you get the result. You hesitate, you get nothing. Jesus said, everyone that puts his hand on the plow and looks back, that means you hesitate, you're not fit for the kingdom. God cannot use you. That's the way it is. I really believe that when you hear the word of God, if you will put it into practice, you'll begin to find that Christianity is not as hard as people claim it is. It's so easy. And once God knows and can trust that you will act on his word he knows to do business with you that's when he appears and he's speaking to you and he's sharing with you his heart because he knows you're gonna you will act on it he knows no one none of us is perfect but we are being changed from glory to glory that's the case from glory to glory and when god knows he can do business with you he comes he tries you, gives you a little thing to do. When you're through with that, he says, you're good, you're faithful. Now I'm going to take you to the, high, to the next level. Amen? But after he's given you the first instruction, and you don't do anything with it, it's like a man who received his talent, his talent and buried it and did nothing with it. And so every time you hear the word of God, you're receiving from God. Let me say something. Say that again. Every time you hear the word of God, there is something tangible in the spirit realm that you're getting. You may not be aware of what's happening, but something is happening in the spirit realm that will transform your life and the lives of those around you. But you have to act on it. It's so important. Act on the word of God. Father, I just want to thank you tonight. I just ask that you give utterance in the name of Jesus. Uh, this is the word of faith that we're speaking. And as we hear the word of faith, it goes into our heart and into our mouth. And we ask that that will be the case tonight. Because we know, Lord God, that you are present with us tonight. And we truly uh, appreciate your presence here with us. Our hearts are ready. We will receive we are willing and we are going to be obedient to your word in jesus name amen tonight i'm going to start with a series that i want to do on wednesday night i titled the series the believers greatest assets the believers that's the christian 
greatest asset as a Christian. What do you really have? What has God given to us as Christians that we can consider the greatest asset that you have in your life to make it? You will make it in life because every one of us have these assets. It depends on what you do with these assets. If you do act and on the words that God has given to us and the assets that He's given to us, the greatest of this, uh, and uh, you will certainly have results in your life, in every area of life. So let me tell you plainly, three of them, three, the greatest assets the Christian has that God has given to us, just three. The first one is prayer. Seems so simple. I'm you're thinking some great truth. Oh, revelation. <laughs> the first thing is prayer. Your greatest asset in my mind is your prayer life. It's so important. The next thing which is connected to the first one is faith. Because your prayer is no good without faith. That's the next thing. And the third one is connected to the other two. Fasting. If you want to pour gasoline on your faith and your prayer and make it burn, fasting is important. These are the greatest assets God has given the believer. You cannot grow very much. You can't have great understanding. Until you put these things. You see, God doesn't speak to you until you are alone. Quiet. With Him. He doesn't speak to you in a crowd. But that doesn't mean He won't speak to you when you are in a crowd. Because you can be alone with Him in a crowd. And He'll speak to you. But that doesn't happen Unless you separate yourself. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, go to your closet. It don't mean where you put your clothes. It could mean there as well. But basically, close yourself in with the Father. And deal with Him in secret. Because your Father is in secret. And He sees in secret. And watch the dealings you have with him in secret. He says he rewards you how? Openly. So you want something that the world can see? Go to your secret place. Amen. You want transformation in your life and in the life of the, those around you, your situation, your circumstances. You need all of that. Go to your father who is in secret. Deal with him in the secret. No one knows what's going on. But when he rewards you, everyone will see it. So your prayer life is your greatest asset. I pray the whole church will know this. You don't pray so you can tell people I pray. You don't pray so that you feel good that well, I have spent, I've spent my time, my 30 minutes with God. That's not the purpose for prayer. You're using your greatest asset that God's given to you. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. What I hear 
is what I speak. What I see the Father do in secret, that's what I do in the open way. He demonstrated that to us in the way he spent time with his Father. He used to wonder as a new Christian, and even before I got saved, why is he praying so much? Why is the Son of God having to spend a whole night praying to the Father in secret? Why? What does he need? He is God, right? Why is he doing this? Prayer is not to the flesh. It's not fun. (laughs) The flesh doesn't like it. You have to make the flesh like it. It's not fun. But Jesus will withdraw himself from the crowd after having a great healing service. Pastors would like to talk about how great this service was. He would draw and go up into the mountain and spend the whole time there with his father. While others are going. Why? He's showing, he was showing to us how important it is to pray. When he comes down from the mountain, his prayers are usually very short. Amen? Sometimes no prayer. He just gives command. First thing he did after he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and in water, 40 days in the wilderness. And when he came back out of the wilderness, you can read that in Luke chapter 4. He said, power. There was so much power. I mean, the devils were crying, we're in trouble. I mean, it was all over. People getting healed, all kinds of things happening. But after he came, he, he announced it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. But he needed that time. He got anointed, and then he went to pray for 40 days fasting, spending time with God. You have to really want it to do this. Amen? Your second sense will not change until you take that thing and you separate yourself in prayer. And if that doesn't work, add fasting to it. Amen? Till you get the results. So important. I needed to put that first. But let me show you something. Even if Jesus sits in before you and tells you, this is what I'm going to do. It's not going to happen until you pray. Sorry. It's just the way it works. Even if he tells you, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do in your life. That thing will not happen until you get to him in prayer. I'm going to show you from the word of God. Let me give you also from the life of David before I go this. You see, what you want to look for in scripture's principles to live by. Not just to know scriptures and quote them. Look for principles to live by. And once you, got, you have those principles, once you receive them, that's called revelation. <laughs> and revelation brings faith. And when you put that revelation with the faith in your heart into action, you get results. Always. Because God cannot overlook faith. But faith comes only through revelation. It's so important. Even if God tells you, you still need to pray about it. God told David, he says, you found favor in my sight. This is what's going to happen. 
on the throne, your son is always going to be on the throne. He was speaking about Jesus, you know that. But David, as soon as he heard the message, he immediately, he went into the tabernacle, before the, the, where the ark and everything is, and sat down there for a long period of time. He had heard God had said this. And then he, start, he started talking to God. He says, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have I found so much favor in your sight? He was praying. And then after he praised God, then he told God, Now you have said this to your servant. Make sure you do just what you've said, God. Amen? He sealed it with his prayer. Amen? Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. That's why the Bible says prayer, prophecy is a tool for spiritual warfare. Paul said to Timothy, these prophecies have come upon you that with these prophecies that have gone before you, you can use them to wage a good warfare. That's coming from God, from Paul, the apostle, right? But they were to Timothy tools for a warfare. Just because God said it, it's not going to happen. Just because you, he said it and you believe it, it may not happen. You have to pray. Remember what the scripture says, this is a principle here, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 through 13, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Meaning, hope means a great life, a good future. That's what I, God, those are what God's thought. And these are the same thoughts he has towards you tonight. Amen? <laughs> to give you a great future. He wants to give you real hope in life. But then he says, then, after you know this, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. When? After you realize he has a great future for you, right? Then you go pray. You use what the knowledge you have to pray to him. You got the promise. Now it's time to pray the promise into the, the natural world. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. I've already told you what I'm going to do. But pray to me and I'll listen. Give me back what I told you. Remind me of my promises. I've already given that to you. Let's seal it with your prayer. That's why God wants us to pray. We need to pray. It's a frightening thing that if you're a Christian person and you don't have a prayer life, you may not have a whole lot of understanding. And if, there, if you only pray when troubles come, <laughs> you'll keep having them. Because God wants you to pray. One after the other. Because that's the only way you will come to Him. <laughs> So you're running from one trouble to the other. But if you want to live above, that doesn't mean trouble won't come. But you're dealing with tougher troubles. Amen? Because God will only allow you to be tempted according to your level of faith. So you're not growing very much. He allows them until you learn to grow. You need to pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not faint. Luke 18. 
says, then you will go and you'll pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So when God gives you the promise, then you search for him so that you can receive the promise. And you do that with all of your heart. He has his thoughts towards you. Let me show you a very clear uh, uh, principle in this. That's what I do. I I like to read and find those things and, and see what's going on. Why is this happening this way? That way I learned my lesson. You know the story of Elijah? How he prayed rain? You know what happened first? He prayed for rain, right? And God gave rain. But let me show you a scripture here. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, I will send rain on the earth. Is that not clear? God said he's going to send rain. Why should I pray for rain? Do you understand what I'm saying? He already given him his promise. He says, stop staying with this uh, woman here that's taking care of you. I want you to go show yourself to Ahab. It's been about three, over three years or so without rain in the land. And so God told him, now I want you to go to Ahab because I want to send rain. Is it God's will to send rain at that point? Certainly so. He wanted rain. He's already said, I am going to send rain. That was God's word. But then Elijah, Elijah went and he presented himself to Ahab. And you know the story. They went to Mount Carmel. They had the contest. And the people saw fire come down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. And they all started yelling, the Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. In other words, your heart had turned to God. Now, Ahab, I mean, Elijah had converted them, basically turned their heart from serving Baal and having two opinions. Should I serve Baal? Should I serve God? Which one is real God? A double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. They were double-minded. But now they were sure only the God of Elijah, the God of Israel, was the God of the world. And they started yelling, I mean, just worshiping after they saw the fire. They were crying out. The whole crowd bowed themselves down and were crying out to God and worshiping the Lord. He is God. They, they've now turned their hearts towards God. Won't you expect God to just start sending the rain at that point? No. Elijah had to pray. That's the principle. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You need to pray to him about these things. If you read in verse 41 of the same chapter, it said that's after the, the miracle had taken place. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. That's speaking faith. Amen? <laughs> he hasn't seen anything yet. But he spoke it because God said it. You know, if you read in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, we also have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. So he spoke what God told him. He believed it, he spoke it, but then he did something else. So he went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. 
Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. What was he doing? He was asking God, fulfill the promise. Fulfill the promise. He already prayed once. Fire came from heaven, right? And you expect rain to follow that. No, he had to pray. And then as he prayed, he said, he, said, he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. You never quit. Amen? You just keep praying until you have the title deed inside your heart. You have been heard. It's a beckoning call. It's a sign. This is the way God works. You pray to a point, He lets you know in your heart it's enough. He may speak to you, but somehow, some way in your heart, He just tells you, This is it. This is the answer. You got it. There's nothing to worry. There's no need to pray anymore. Quit praying. Let's go to the next thing. Amen? But He does that. You pray to a point, and He gives the answer seven times. That's what this man did. He says, there's nothing. And seven times he, he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Just a little sign that was enough for him. That's what God is saying. My point is, just because God says something to you, or you read it and you believe it, he, he's not, or you have a word of prophecy, doesn't mean it's going to happen the next day. You need to spend that time praying with the word that was given to you. And when you do that, because God has already spoken the word, it happens. I've heard people say, they had this prophecy for me, how come it's not happening? Well, did you pray about it? Did you talk to God about the prophecy? And sometimes several people, different people that don't know one another gave you the same prophecy. And you're saying, okay, God, it's five years now. Why is it not happening? Did you pray to God about what was spoken to you from men of God or women of God? We need to do that. And if you get it from the perfect book of liberty, take that same promise and remain God. Of his promises. And claim the promises. Tell him just like Elijah said. You know God. He believed there's sound of rain. And still pray. Till you get the title deed inside of you. This is done. There was a time in my life. I, was, I, w- I wanted to know. I wanted answers about something. I knew I, he was critical. I had to have an answer. I mean quick, quick answer. I was in Texas A&M. Uh, doing my uh, in school there and I had to get this answer so I locked myself in the room I was going to pray and fast for three days and the first day nothing happened by the second day I had my answer because he spoke to me clearly just opened my mind to the scriptures about the problem that I had I wanted answer I needed to I needed explanation about a certain subject that was bugging me, it was bothering me, it was really a pain. I needed to know for sure where I stood in this particular teaching in the house of God. 
And by the second day, he told me everything I needed to know. I took my Bible. Fasting was over. I got out. No fasting anymore. I got the answer. Amen? So you take it until you get your answer. And then you move on from there. God will always give you a sign, some kind of a sign, something. I can't, there, you can't pin God down. He does whatever he wants. But somehow he'll let you know if you're really seeking him with all of your heart, no matter what you're praying for, whether it's finances, no matter what it is, he's going to let you know somehow that he has answered you. If you're praying about it, basically he can just tell you once you start praying about it, he'll tell you, stop you, that's over, let's move on to the next thing. That's answered. And you know that and you are uncomfortable praying about the same thing because somehow in your heart you know he's already heard you. And when he hasn't heard you, you know you still feel that uneasiness inside about the matter. Amen? But then he gives you peace. Amen? And let you know, this is okay now. Daughter or son, let's move on to the next thing. And at that point, enter into his rest and just wait. Amen? Because he's coming to be. God will always give you a sign. There is a scripture about David in First Samuel chapter um, 5. Uh, what happened, David inquired of the Lord. He said, should I go this way? And God said, don't go that way this time. Just wait. Wait for a sign of movement in the mulberry trees. And if you see the movement, then you know the Lord is already gone before you. Arise then and just take them over. And so David sat there waiting for the sign. God has answered his prayer and God is going to give him the sign. Amen? And once the sign came... David knew it was time to rise. Once you know your prayer is answered, there's no need to sit back there. Do. Put whatever you're doing into action because God is with you. He's going to make it happen. Amen? So he does that for us. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is not just communicating with God. (laughs) You hear that thing? And he's right. It's communicating with God. But that's not all. Prayer is actually getting God to intervene on your behalf in your situation according to his word. Your prayer doesn't mean anything until you can get him to act on your situation. You're just talking if you haven't been able to get him to act on what you're wanting him to do. You're just talking. So prayer is not just communicating with God. We can do that in our praise and worship as you, worshiping, as you worship God. But when you are petitioning God, you are trying to get Him to intervene in your situation. And if you can never get Him to intervene in your situation, uh, your prayer life is non-existent. <laughs> You're praying, but there is no success in it. So prayer is really getting God to do what he's already promised to do in his word. To intervene in your situation. That's what prayer is. You have to pray until God intervenes in your situation. That means you have to know how to get him. Amen. 
to do that. How do I get God to act on this thing? If I get him to act on it, do I do this? And sometimes after you've done it for a while, you pretty much know every situation is different. Every trouble has a different color to it. You think you've dealt with one, now you got to another one, and you're wondering, oh my God, where did this come from? What am I going to do now? But you have a track record with God. You go back to Him, and you know what you did before, praying, and He's going to bring the answer to you. But you have to get Him to work on your behalf. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, You lost and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. So asking a right is very important for you to get an answer. You need to know how to ask in the right way. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 give us, gives us a lot, of, you know, the principle of prayer, how to approach God. What we call the Lord's Prayer, uh, some people repeat it, but it's really not meant to be repeated. Because if, if you, it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer you will find in John chapter 17. But it gives you a pattern, and you can read all in Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostle. you never hear any apostle repeating that, the Lord, uh, our Father, we shout in heaven. You never read anything of that nature. It was a principle that was given to them what to do with regards to prayer. If you need your prayers answered, follow those principles and go after them. Asking a right so that your prayers are answered by God. Now, the key thing is, if you ask, you will be given. If you ask a right, you will be given. Jesus is not playing with us. He lets us know in, John, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask and you will be given. No doubt about it. If you ask, you will be given. But you must ask a right. Because if you ask a miss, you won't get it. But Jesus needs, needs you to know the principle is there. If you ask, you will be given. It says, seek and you will find. No doubt about it. If you don't seek, it's not going to happen. You can't just sit there and wait for it to happen because God spoke to you through some pastor or some prophet. You have to seek. You have to seek. You have to do that. You have to ask. It's important. If you don't ask, James says you will not receive anything. You have to ask. You have to think about it. You have to really want it. The desires of a righteous man shall be granted. If you are not asking, there's no desire there. When you really desire for God to do something, you're desperate. You ask, and sometimes you ask crying. Because you need that thing. Until there is a burning desire for these things to change, it's not going to change. 
You're hurting, but you can still tolerate it. You understand what I'm saying? So you're not really desperate. But if it bothers you, you're going to cry out to God. And if you cry out to God, Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. No doubt about it. If you seek, you will find. If you knock and you keep knocking, that door is going to be open for you. And then he added, for everyone that asks, receives. Everyone. That scripture brought a lot of deliverance for me. Because I thought in my early days you have to be a special Christian, a pastor, somebody that God is using, some miracle or whatever it is, some kind of a holy man for God. But he says, everyone that asks, receives. Everyone means me. That was liberating. I can ask. I am everyone, amen. I can ask and expect to receive. And if I don't receive, I go back to him again. God, you said, remind him his word, amen. You said, I know you can't lie, God. I know you can't lie. Hey, hey, who was stopping this? And sometimes when you ask those questions, God will show you what's stopping it. He might tell you, why don't you forgive uncle so-and-so? <laughs> Amen. And according to uh, Kenneth Hagin, when God speaks to him like that, when he's asking, he said, I would just, I just, I just myself inside immediately. I said, God, I'm going to forgive him. Now, why don't you answer me? <laughs> you don't have to get up from your knees. Just adjust it right there. You can make the call later. Amen. Make the call later. But right there, adjust it. Take care of it. Uh, Kenneth Hagin said, when God spoke to him, he says, Okay, God, right? I repent. I've adjusted Brahma. How about it now? He says, okay, you're fine now. You <laughs> will take care of it. Amen. Everyone that asks receives. Why do we make it so complicated? Why? You may not receive the next day, but receive your title deed. And until you have that, keep asking, telling God. He's going to show you why. And once you get to that place, the peace of God that passes knowledge, it just comes there. And when you try to ask, you feel very uncomfortable going to the same place. And so you know he's answered. And the answer is on his way. It may take 21 days. <laughs> it may take a year. But God, the answer is on his way. But until that time, God gives you peace. And he supplies your needs. And maintains you till the full answer. His fullness of time comes. Because he has a purpose in everything. He has a purpose. Amen. So it's so important. Ask and you will receive. Everyone that asks receives. God wants you to receive. In, in the covenant that you have with God. There is so much. I mean really his promise. You are loaded. I am, you are loaded with all kinds of goodies, goodies from the Father. We have to first know them and then begin to ask for what belongs to us. In my mind, uh, you know of the story of the prodigal son? You know that story? <laughs> I, I used to just talk about the foolish fellow that left his father's home and, and wasted everything. And then one day I started thinking, the one who was at home is even dumber. <laughs> he was really dumb. 
He had all of that stuff. He never asked for anything. He thought he was being a good guy. He was obedient to the father. And when his brother came back and the father was so excited, he killed that fatted cow and they were celebrating him. He was still in the field working, thinking he was going to please his father. <laughs> we do that, you know. Just going to church and all of that and doing, but we don't want anything good for ourselves. Oh, yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? He wants you to have some good things. Amen? Don't deceive yourself. He wants you to have some fun. Otherwise, we won't have the story of the prodigal son, right? When the son came back, his son was complaining. He says, hey, I've worked for you all these years. I did all of this stuff. And you never even allowed me one day to, to, to celebrate with my friends. He was in the field working while they were having a party. And he thought he was going to impress his father. His father was more concerned about this little prodigal boy that was back. And he was rejoicing and having fun, and all his servants having fun, really eating and having great fun. He was sweating out there. Don't we do that? We just think we don't deserve anything. We have to really kill ourselves and be really, really holy before we get any good stuff coming from God. And then when you get it, the little thing, yes. And I heard a story, it was funny. This guy, he goes out, acts really silly. He comes back again, he backslides again. And there was this holy man in church, Deacon and all of that. Deacon was sick. And they prayed and prayed, nothing was happening. And this fellow that was always going back and forth, he came in. And he was so happy God brought him back and he was really sick. That's probably the reason why he was back. And they prayed for him and he was healed. And the church people got mad. <laughs> God, what is this? Pastor, what's happening? We have been praying for Holy Dickens so and so all the time. And, and God didn't heal him. And, and this Kundra, you know, he just got back yesterday and God healed him. What's with this? And pastor says, I don't know, but I know he, he's really simple. You tell him, he says, really, pastor? Why don't you put it there now? Lay your hands here. <laughs> he don't ask any question, even though he says, he, when it comes to God, if God, that's God, okay, put your hand right here. And he gets the ceiling and walks away happy till the next backsliding time, whatever it is. <laughs> But that's the problem. We're making things too difficult. You can ask from God. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have. God doesn't want you broke. You are his child. He wants you to have. I'm going to move on because it's really important that I say this. The next thing I want to say is so important. We are in this together. Amen? Uh, we're in this together. I encourage you, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I'm encouraging myself as well. I've told myself, uh, you know, based on what the Lord spoke to me, he said that to me. He says, until you see my face, I was really hurting at that point in Nigeria. Really, financially, we were dying. It was tough for us. We were just feeding our kids with noodles. And our kids thought that was the best food on earth. 
And they were happy with it. And they still eat that stuff today because they got used to it. But we couldn't afford anything. It was good to have 24 of those little stuff in one pack. (laughs) And give to the kids and cut some hot dogs, you know. We still eat those things. And you understand what I'm saying? But that's what we could afford. But even in that time, God said to me while I was in Nigeria, till I see you, till you see my face, that's not going to happen. I, I, just because he said to me, that's going to always be. At that time, even before we started the Ark Fellowship. Yeah, that was before we had, When I came back, we were still crying. Angela in the room, I'm in the living room crying. God, what's going on? You said this was going on. When is this going to change? How is it that we can't even buy a car? How is it that we have only one vehicle and I'm taking Angela to work, it breaks down. And Angela has to call a junior person in their office, maybe a secretary in their office where she's looked at the doctor to come and help get her to work. And I go back home and I say, God, what is going on? We couldn't even buy any car. Not even $2,000 car. We couldn't do it. Credit was down. But God has given his promise. And so you cry out to God. You keep crying out to God. What's going on? When is it going to change? I believe it's changed. And I'm not going back there. Amen. He's going to get better. (laughs) He's going to get better. And I'm not looking to the Ark Fellowship to meet my needs. He will meet my need. I don't, the Ark Fellowship, good. So I'm not going to ever be tempted. Take Ark Fellowship money. It's not going to happen. I don't, that's not my source. He is my source. His promise is my source. I stay with His promise. No matter what happens, no matter how the devil finds, there is always a way in the wilderness for me. And there is always a way in the wilderness for you. Whatever way He wants to come, let God deliver it to me. If He puts it through you, I will thank you. Amen. <laughs> but that's all you get. Thank you. <laughs> I'll go on and thank him. Amen. But if you refuse, he'll call another person. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The way he chooses to do it. I'm at peace with my God. Amen. You should be at peace. Because he's calling us for a great blessing. He wants you to have. Look at what he says. And in that day, John 16. 23 and 24. In that day. What day? This is the day. Amen. You're looking for another day? This is the day. Say with me. Today is the day. This is the day. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, Jesus said, let me assure you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think about your own resources. Let me assure you. This is coming from the Son of God. Let me assure you, whatever you ask in my name, He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will, not me, He will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. You see, that's the problem. You don't ask him for anything. You are not asking for anything good. He's not asking, now you're saying, your father, right? If it's your father, you're already righteous. (laughs) You're already with him. So what is he asking you to ask from him? Something that makes you feel good in life, amen? 
And that's what he's telling you to ask for. Not spiritual things like uh, the over-spiritual people want to say. <laughs> they like to let you know that I'm just receiving things from the Spirit. I want to see it in real life. Don't give me all this stuff in the Spirit. Let me see something. Amen? I'm not that spiritual. I've got to see something. Amen? Not all these blessings in the Spirit that no one can see. You're saying you're blessed and blessed and blessed. But we don't see the blessing. I got to see something. You know, one of those thoughts that I used to think in those days, you know, when things were tough, I said, God, you bless me. What's wrong? God, something's got to happen. If I walk up to my Muslim friend who sees that I'm really suffering and I'm telling him, God is blessing me. God is really blessing me. He said, let your God bless you, but tell him not to visit with me. From what I see in your life, uh-uh. you stay with him. Stay with this, your God. It's okay. Amen? Let's be real. Amen? Let's not kid ourselves. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may reach, that you, and you will receive, no doubt. Why? That your joy may be full. Amen? That your joy may be full. That means if you're not receiving, no matter how spiritual you think you are, your joy is not full. But he said, ask and you will receive. It's one thing to ask for things that are possible. I dare you to ask for impossible things. Amen. Ask for impossible things. So that when God does it, everybody knows. Amen? And when you tell them, when they start asking you, what happened? How did you come about this all of a sudden? And you say, he's the Lord. They say, yeah, we know he's the Lord. You, are not, you don't look like you are that smart. Uh, but uh, show us how to get on his good side. So we can get the same benefits that you get. Amen? We know it's the Lord. Just show us. Amen? Tell them to come to church. They're coming with you. They need that blessing. (laughs) Amen. Now let me say this. You remember the scripture Jesus said in John 10.10? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. Now, there is only one person that's called a thief. Hmm. Why would you have a thief when there is nothing to steal? Good question. What is it that you have that is coming after you to steal? You probably told me he's trying to steal my spiritual blessings. Who is going to steal your salvation? Does the devil want to get saved? Huh? If he steals your salvation, is he not going to get saved? He's not wanting to steal your salvation, right? It's something that God's given to you he wants to steal. 
something that God's given to you to bless your life, protect you, keep you healthy, keep you going. That's what he wants to steal. Something to make life comfortable for you so that you can do his good works. You were created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. How do you do good works when you have nothing? I like to do good works. I want to give something. And I'm not berating anybody. I'm trying to help you, help us to believe God for more. More than we are receiving today. Because God really wants to bless. And if it's not happening, you ask. Usually when it's not happening, I ask and I have peace. And I'm waiting. I don't know what's going on. A good example is the, the sanctuary we are building. I was in it for about three years or more. But I had my peace. I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. I just didn't know what God was doing. But I knew he was going to do it someday. I just don't know why. I don't like discussing with anybody. Because when you discuss it with people, they're going to try to show you maybe this and maybe that. I don't like to hear those things. I'm satisfied. I don't know what's going on. But he knows what he's doing. And when it's all come to pass, he will be doing it for our good. If you go to the land now, we have placed on that land possibly over $50,000 worth of dirt. I think they've brought more. They told us 50000 Some time back, I'm sure it's probably getting close to 100000 now. They, still bring, they keep bringing in. You know, they told me, we're going to bring it in. The builder told me, we're going to bring this in because we are looking to build your next church. They are already looking past what we already get, what we have now. And they're telling me, I'm not telling them. Johnny, how many of you saw Johnny? Johnny said, after six months, Pastor, you start planning for the next building. I thought he was joking. I met Steve, the builder, the, uh, the uh, project manager. He said, uh, we will put this dirt here. We're going to build it up because we will need to raise the building up. And they're bringing those dirt because they are widening the road. What if they had already built the road? That means I would have to spend over I mean $100,000 bringing dirt to build our next church. But now I'm getting all for free. All things, all things work together for good. You know, they're talking about building a turning lane. This is just testimony for you, just to see how God works. Don't get discouraged what's going on. Just pray, get your peace. Your answer is on his way. And it's going to be really large. And then it will make sense. Then you understand it. Like we say, we understand it by and by. Yeah, you understand it. You know, if we had built a long time ago, we would have to put a turning lane to into our sanctuary, they told me today. That would cost between forty-five to $50,000. And they will require us to do it. They, you cannot, they will put it, the county, you have to get it. Now they are building it. They told us it's going to cost you, we've, we'll do the engineering for you, and all of that is going to cost you $8,834. And that's all we're asking. I was going to resist that, but the good county man has been working with us. He says, please take it. <laughs> if you don't take it and you have to do it, it's going to be rough for you. You're going to pay between forty to 50000 because the road has been constructed now. 
can you, with your own power, make that happen? He knows what's going. But you have to believe. Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. He wants your joy full. Now, let me ask you this. You've already done something about the one hmm, who came to give us life and to give us more abundantly. What are you doing about the thief? Huh? Have you done anything about the thief? You think he just gave you information about the thief and you just sit down and let him take care of the thief for you? You did something about him, right? You accepted the one who came, who gave abundant life. Well, there were two parts to this, that particular statement here, right? One for the thief and one for the one who brought abundant life, right? You got to do something about the thief. Amen? You have to do something about the thief. You got to fight the thief. Do you know what to do with the thief? Well, I'm glad you asked the question, so I will tell you. Okay. I don't, I'm going to stop very quickly. What you need to do to the thief, first thing to do is submit to God. You need to submit to God. Prayer is the best way to submit to him. Satan will not listen to you until you submitted to him in prayer. Remember the man that had that brought a son who had a demon? And Jesus said, This kind does not go except by fasting and prayer. The enemy would not he won't leave. Until you submit to God first. And then you deal with the enemy. That's why if you don't pray, you cannot submit. When things are difficult, the thing to do is go to the Father to get peace. I'm going to give you this graphic thing. You know, Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross. Hmm? He was really hurting. He said, he said in his own words, this is the Son of God. He said, my soul, not just his heart, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Remember that? He was having a hard, hard time. He was bad. He was bad. He knew what was coming. He knew he had his own will. How was he going to face this trial? He separated himself and went to the garden. You remember the garden? And he was talking to his father. He submitted himself to the father in prayer. He had his will, but then he will add, not my will, but your will be done. If he hadn't done that, none of us would be here today. If he hadn't spent that time in the garden, he could go back to his father. That was what he wanted. But he changed the word, not my will, but what you want. And he did that three times. And the son of God. That's the son of God. He did that to get what he wanted. And then after he went the third time, he said to his father, if you're not going to let this cup go. Let me drink it. 
I'm ready to go. And then after he prayed, the Bible says angels came and ministered to him and strengthened him so he could go to what he had to do. Why do we think as believers our case is going to be different? That was the Son of God. You're hurting? Don't call people. Maybe call pastor. Call for people to pray for you, but Get in the closet. Cry out to him. Stay there until you get the beckoning call. When Jesus came from that place, he was the master again. You couldn't tell he was the one saying to his father, if it be, you know, you can take this cup away from me. He was different. He came out, stood before Pilate, calmly, baffled that man. He couldn't understand. He'd never seen anybody like this. Pilate. He was baffled. How can somebody be facing death and be so calm, saying nothing? Here's all the accusation. Says no word, just staring at him. The guy says, Pilate was a true murderer. If you read about him, he'll kill you just like that. You look him, look at him in a bad way, he sees it, you've finished. That's how mean this guy was. But seeing Jesus, he knew, uh, uh, I've never seen anybody like this. He wanted out. The murderer wanted out. From this case, I'm going to wash my hands of this. There's something about this man. Because he had been with the Father. We need that. Only after you have been with the Father, you can truly resist the enemy. And he will flee from you. Let me read this scripture and I'll quote. I'll I'll quit. In James, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So important. You draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. You need to purify your heart because you're double-minded. That word is loaded. Let me share this. Double-mindedness. It says, A double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he will ever receive anything from God. You heard that? Purify your heart, you double-minded. Blessed are the pure in heart. For what? For they shall see God. When you see God, your problems disappear. But if you are double-minded, your heart needs to be purified. How do you do that? Draw near to God. Submit yourself in prayer. Draw near to God. And what is He going to do? He'll draw near to you. Your heart is purified. And you see God. And the problem goes poof. (laughs) Amen? It's simple. We need to pray. That's how you can resist the devil. We need to resist the devil. He'll flee from you. 
But until you spend time praying before God, it's not going to work. So that's the first, first principle here, what I call the believer's greatest assets. First one is what? Prayer. The next one we'll deal with next Wednesday about faith. Amen? We talk a lot. Stand up with me tonight. You get anything out of this? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The best thing, like I've always said, is practice. You and I, we all go through troubles. I go through them sometimes in the days, one after the other. But I can't just lay down. When troubles come, I'm looking for a place to pray so I can have my peace, okay? Because you don't know how it's going to come. But I need my peace. I need to enter into his rest. And we can, you can enter into his rest today by calling on his name. And let him show up and take care of your problem. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. And the thing to do is thank him for the understanding he's given to you today. Jesus said to those that are without his parable. But with you, God has given you the heart to understand the things of the kingdom. He's given you the power to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. And we're talking tonight about the mysteries of God's kingdom. And God is delivered to you tonight the mysteries of his kingdom, how you can stand up, how you can grow and do great things for God. I, I decree tonight that whatever is troubling your life, whatever is causing you pain in your life today, disappear in the name of Jesus. That thing must disappear today in Jesus' name. And let the goodness and the mercy of God come upon your life. Tonight in the name of Jesus, let goodness and mercy follow you from this day forth forever in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your, good, your goodness towards us. For your great kindness, your tender mercies. We thank you, Father. Lord, we leave this place, but we're not leaving your presence. You're always with us. You have given us your word. You said, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. Even to the end of the age, you will never leave us comfortless. So we receive comfort from you tonight. Regardless of what we're going through, we do know, based on your word, all things work together for good. It's a principle. It's a law. So regardless of what we're going through, tonight you are working, putting those things together for our good. And we will reap what you've given to us. Thank you for healing our situations right now. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.